Lounge podcast where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Ahoy, everyone. David Hall. This isn't Sparta. Greg Hectus. Is there a celebration this week? And Tony Groves. Well, none of you going to say it. I'm going to say it. Happy 300. That's right. Welcome along as we celebrate 300 episodes of the iRacers Lounge podcast. As we, as we reflect on this achievement, I'm going to walk through the progress in my new sim rig build, and we'll continue with all the stories and reviews you've come to expect for the 300th time. Uh, I was trying to look up, guys, how many times a podcast has gotten to 300 episodes, and I, I couldn't really find it. I don't know if... I think it's so rare that it's not a, a stat. Isn't and the, if you, go oh, sorry, I was gonna say before we got there, isn't the uh, I think the Dale Earnhardt Jr. download is uh, over three hundred episodes of something that most of us racers listen to. Yeah, they're in the three hundreds, and Door Bumper is actually in the two hundreds because I was just listening to that one today. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC and mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacers Lounge and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing league. GridFinder.com All right, Brian, let's kick off those topics. How about that unofficial top 20 for the RTP? Yeah, this came by way of Justin Melillo. Uh, he posted on the Twitter page the updated, but it's not official, apparently, top 20 in points for the Road to Pro Series. So uh, these are the guys who are in the top position to move on to the qualifier season, qualifier season, and that will determine who goes to the Coke Series next year. Um, so uh, as we look through the list real quick, uh, we got Don- Donovan Strauss, from Georgia is actually in the lead. Colin Keister's in second. And Johnny Donovan Lee. is uh, Elliot. He just got signed to Elliot Esports, by the way. Okay, so there you go. Uh, Jordy Lopez Jr. is in third. Uh, some other notables on the list. Uh, we have um, Blake McCandless. He's uh, on the bubble at 20. Casey Tucker, 17th. So uh, these are all the guys who are going to be fighting out, uh, apparently, for the uh, for the next round of the qualifiers. The right, most so, familiar name on my on for me on that list is Seth Demerchant. I've seen him a lot in NIS. Yeah, he's won NIS top split um, season, right? Last year. You sure that wasn't Garrett? 
maybe it was the year before, but yeah, Garrett, yeah, those guys are something else. Now, Blake McCandless, we've heard him as a broadcaster. He, he was actually on the Coke race two races ago. Um, but he also does podium and other things like that, but it's cool that he's in there. Some notable people that didn't make it, Justin Bolton from Stuart Haas. I mean, he works at Stuart Haas and, uh, Brandon Cattell, uh, a former uh, driver from the Coke series, also did not make the cut. And Brandon's also one of the uh, pre-race announcers for the Coke series races as well. Right. So these guys are going to, these top 20 are going to take on the bottom 20 from the Coke series, which isn't over yet. Um, and so that's going to be the, and, and I, I think they only run like five or six races through November and December. Uh, really quick uh, series to determine who's going to be in the, the Coke for the 2022. I think Ray Alfella, though, is suffering from a confidence problem, don't you? Well, yeah, I mean, so. he's going to be in the bottom 20, right? <laughs> he's just kind of on the bubble. Right. So if he has a great race at Texas, he could, uh, he could get himself off that bubble. Well, take a look at his tweet, though. Yeah, so uh, Ray posted on his Twitter. He says, Dear Lord, baby Jesus. Let me make the top 20 so I don't have to embarrass these guys in pro. <laughs> he doesn't want to have to do that series in November. You know, he wants the winner off. Yeah, nobody nobody wants to have to qualify back in, that's, I'm sure. Especially somebody with his uh, resume. Um, but, you know, this 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 20 drivers from the road to pro, you know, none, those guys are not, you know, they're, they're great drivers. And it seems like it gets better every year. So um, who knows what could happen if, if somebody like Ray uh, has to qualify again. Yeah, some for, former drivers as well, you know, getting their way back in. Colin Keister, um, some other one I recognized on the list, Santiago Terres. And then Liam Brotherton, he was a, he's a crew chief on one of the big teams, and obviously he's making it in as a driver. Moving on, we got the next topic. We're going to cover the uh, some big news that I caught. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw it on Facebook first. Somebody posted it in the uh, iRacers Driving World group, posted a screenshot of the forum. But Greg West did post in the main forums that they're in an effort to better replicate the 2022 IMSA vehicle lineup, starting with Season 1, they will, which is the December build, uh, iRacing is adjusting their car classes that includes both the IMSA and IMSA Endurance Series. And if, if essentially going down to LMP and only and GT3 and bringing in all the GT3 cars that, that are available. So GTE is going away, and that is basically to reflect the fact that uh, the GT Le Mans class in IMSA in real life has pretty much, um, I guess, collapsed. It's just to keep pace with what's going on in real IMSA is what you're saying, right? Yeah, there's just no there's no GTE cars running IMSA anymore. Um, Bobby said something along the lines of they might eventually have a, a a difference between the pro and the M car. I don't know how iRacing will implement that, but if you want to run the GTE cars now, you'll have to jump over to uh, only PDS and run them over there. And then staying on the road side of things, we have some stats from the, the Petit Le Mans that was run this weekend. Um, and the the biggest stat that really is the best one to talk about is the historic participation. And if you look at the um, the stats here for the GT3, um, in 18, it actually shows you each year what season it was in. And, well, just starting in 20, there was, what, about 
just between probably about 225. Actually, I can highlight it. 224 was the participation in 2020 in the GT3 class. And it was 620 this year. That's pretty epic. Yeah, but in the other classes, uh, it went down. GTE went down from last year. And then the uh, P217 went down just a little bit, almost flat. Well, that's interesting. I, th I would think that probably some of the GTE class got pulled into the 217, right? Because everybody hated that old C7. But once the LMP2 came back out, or came out, it became very popular again. And that made the cup for a while that actually made the GT3 class r r the class that was really not showing up in many splits it was getting really small but uh, yeah G GTE is definitely going away I we didn't get to run this this weekend I had a marching competition yep and uh, thanks again to Rob Crouch uh, who's put together iracingreports.com that's where we're getting these stats but not only does he have you know participation stats he does list the podium of each split of each time uh, so if you were on the podium in any split your name will be or your team name will be listed at least uh, and he's got other stuff like championship points uh, who run the most laps um, highest total I rating gain the cleanest team David with these last two things here since we did participate in uh, Petit Le Mans there. Uh, also, we didn't, with the GTE cars going away, is that going to force you to figure out maybe to drive more of a GT3 car next year? Do you think for you, or are you just going to still just do the LMP1 and and uh, do something when you're going to run different series and then stuff like that? I don't know. I, te I tend to bounce back and forth between IMSA and PDS based on which track I like more than which car. Right, because there's I, especially during concert season or, or marching season, not enough time really anymore to to learn a new track. So when it's one of those newer tracks, I'll just kind of go to the other series. So there's a pretty good chance I'll either run LMP2 or run uh, GT3 or a little bit of both, and I might start running both GTE and LMP1 in in PDS. Yeah, because I was just wondering. I was gonna, I was looking through the list there, and I was like, man, that's gonna suck. I really like the GTE Porsche that I've been driving and. Now we got to move to something else for some of these series. Well, the PTS does have GTE in it. It's the third class there. But, I mean, I like, you know, the 45-minute IMSA races. Yeah, they're a little bit longer. Something that's always just about the right length, though, is the iRacing Top 10 highlights. Mike, uh, hopefully you got a chance to take a look at this. Oh, yeah. This is the – I love these videos. Um, they always get me great ideas on – cars and tracks I should be driving that I'm not. And uh, the first one is, you know, Matt Malone, uh, famous streamer, uh, in the Mustangs on a road course, uh, doing three wide. And, of course, it's showing him on his stream. Some great racing, but, you know, he's having fun with it, too. And, and you can see him laughing and smiling about what's going on. And at one point, he's like, Riley, push me, you know, and he's trying to get his bud to, to kind of push him clear of the, the swarm of cars, but, um, you know, I never raced these kind of cars, you know, like a, a Mustang or something like that on a road course. It, you know, I, I, I jump into a GT three or something, but th these are fun in their own way. Uh, and, and there's a, certainly a community of people out there doing it. This is one of the last cars that uses the, uh, you know, you can clutch and stuff like that. So you got to use a clutch to shift up and stuff and down. It's actually one of the more fun cars to just drive and, there's always there's always racing going on in that series too, so you always got something. 
another one was a really massive save down in the grass. I mean, the guy is like all over the wheel, but keeps the car straight and uh, brings it back on track. And of course, you know, the uh, pre the always needed Talladega uh, pack coming to the checkered flag. Uh, these guys make what I call the new middle. Uh, a pair of these guys are kind of in the middle lane, but then they get down below the middle lane, but it's above the bottom, and that's the new middle, and that's four wide, baby, coming to the checker. And, uh, of course, they wreck as they come across, but uh, pretty cool to see that move. I haven't seen it, especially uh, this week of Talladega. Uh, one of my favorites was um... – uh, number three, it was a Lotus 79 battle. And it was really interesting because um, the two cars had different packages, downforce packages. So one of them was really good in the corners. The other one was faster on the straights. And they would they would kind of separate at certain points, um, catch up at the end of a straightaway when the low downforce car would, would catch up. And they'd start, they'd start dicing it up through the corners. The high downforce car got through the corner a little bit better, and they were just going back and forth like that for a couple of laps on a road course. It was really interesting. Right, and why that worked, Brian, was the announcers telling us that. You know, we wouldn't have known it without the announcer saying, "Oh, that car's in the the high downforce. You know, he's going to catch up when we get down here in the corners." And you know, and he was you know coaching us along about exactly what's going on. Exactly. Yeah, you wouldn't have known that otherwise for the most part. Um, so that, that's one of those things that makes a really good announce team, uh, giving us information like that, that, that really uh, adds to, to what you're seeing. There was a couple of good ones with the oval, open wheel oval racing where they had the, uh, I think it's the Indy Lights maybe at uh, Fe- Old Phoenix. Um, and then they had the sprint cars at uh, South Boston, I believe it was. But uh, interesting side-by-side racing, that kind of thing. I think that was the IR uh, eighteen, the the Indy cars. Oh, was it? Yeah, at the, la- the that was number one. They were at Phoenix, and man, watching that just re- makes you realize how fast those cars can corner at Phoenix. You know, I'm used to running them in in stock cars and ARCA, and you know, you're going so slow through um, what what's three and four now, uh, but one and two in real life. But um, those those things just fly right around. It's crazy. It reminds me of when IndyCar used to come to Phoenix, man. They they used to race like that, but they changed the car or something, and then they came back and they tried it for a year or two, and it didn't work, so they quit coming. Yeah, that was the uh, new Phoenix because um, it didn't have the grass on the dogleg. You mean new old Phoenix because it'll be there's going to be a new new Phoenix eventually. Exactly. Hey, David, you want to learn how to set up an oval car? I tried. I failed. But one good place you might go and look for that is iRacing's Twitch channel. Vehicle Production Associates, Matt and Tom, they were walking us through how to how to set up the trucks at Charlotte. And it's available on the Twitch stream. You can still see it right now, I believe. Now Twitch most doesn't save videos after a certain amount of time unless you have your channel set up to save them. So there were, I saw several people in the comments of the Twitter posts or replies asking for a YouTube version of it. So it'll, so it'll be around longer, but yeah, they're starting to stream how to set up certain cars and how they set them up. And if you remember, Tom was the guy that was a really great free setup source a couple of years ago and before iRacing snatched them up. Yeah, think- they did hire all the good people, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, I think David, when guys that were talking about in that there about twitch i think twitch only has a 14 day limit on it's two weeks 14 days and then it disappears 
Well, it's a setting. You can you can tell it to save all your videos, but most people don't. Yeah, but I don't think Twitch doesn't have the database. I don't believe to save them completely. You can do clips, but it won't save full streams for more than fourteen days. I'll have to look into that. I could have sworn it was a setting, but I could be wrong. I think the the initial idea is they're trying to get people to get on live with them when they're doing it live on the Twitch, and you know get some back and forth going. Hey, you know, there's a question. Let's answer it. You know, that kind of thing. Well, um, iRacing has that, uh, uh, that, uh, thing where they text you when like a, a big race is coming up, the Coke races are coming up. Uh, they send you a text message. You can sign up for that. They should do that kind of stuff for, for a, a tweet, uh, for a streaming session like this. So you, you can see something like that coming up and you can hop in and, and just get the word out, you know? Well, my feedback, too, uh, that's good feedback, absolutely. And my feedback is, you know what? I mean, I know they work day shift, you know, nine to five, but most iRacers, you know, are not, are working during the day, and, and that's just a bad time to do it. I mean, I, I just think you should try to, you know, do it during, you know, prime time, you know, in the early evening or something like that where more people are available to actually participate. I think because they're doing it like a mid-morning or early morning um, and it, it's just not the right time, I think, for the audience they're trying to get. I don't think there'll be a, a right time at all. I think the only way to do this, you get your, you're going to get the odd people in and out. But the biggest thing is you need um, is you know is to use that YouTube source where you can have it as an archive, right? Um, so I, I don't know um, if there's any way around that. Uh, trying to get draw people more in if if you're not going to do prime time hours, but I don't think that's available to maybe the staff is at home and this is something they're doing when they're in the office, right? Or maybe have a published regular time or something um, so people can plan for it, you know? Well, also, I mean, you know, you got your kind of average time zone starts, right? You got your prime time for a hero, your prime time for us. Probably they might do something. If they're going to do something V8 supercars, they probably need to do it uh, when the Aussies are actually awake. Right. That would make sense. Okay, let's talk Force Dynamics, Delara, iRacing, Grand Prix Series. Doesn't that sound better than the Jet Car Series? Love it. Uh, I love they have a sponsor. Uh, Peter Berryman from the Apex Racing Team scored his first iRacing Pro-level victory of his sim racing career in the Force Dynamics, Delara, iRacing Grand Prix Championship round from Interlagos, Brazil. Berryman led 21 of 51 laps, including the final 10, and now holds the points lead on a tiebreaker with fellow Apex racer Johan Harth and last week's winner at Spa, Michelle Constantini, in third. And that was last Thursday, uh, Brian, and then they raced about an hour or two ago, and I, I caught a piece of it, but we'll talk about that one next week. Hey, before we go to the next topic here, Mike, I was just doing a quick uh, search for the Twitch um storage so the basic users can have up to 14 days of storage but if you have a video on demand account so i guess it's with part of like it would be partners with twitch i believe can have up to 60 days it can be stored so maybe iRacing has might be end up a partner with them and maybe can save for 60 days i'm not sure business account you know Okay, this next one was a rumor, but uh, it turned into a real story, Brian. Yeah, so it turns out uh, that the iRacing scanning truck 
has been discovered, and it's been spotted at the Port Royal Speedway uh, in Pennsylvania. It's a dirt track. Um, I saw this uh, story in the in our notes this week, and uh, just uh, just about fell over. I was so excited. So uh, we remember a couple of weeks ago that they said the van was taken off and they were going to do a bunch of scans at one time um, and they were focusing on dirt. So this all this all confirms with what we've known before that they're looking at, uh, you know, a series of dirt tracks and uh, Port Royal is a, is a good one to start with. It's a it's a it's a big track. It's a I call it a big half mile because it's it's technically a half mile, but it races bigger than that because the turns are very wide, um, as opposed to a track like Williams Grove that's a half mile but has like a lot more narrow turns. So uh, this is going to be a real high speed uh, uh, dirt track. Um, they run more modifieds, but the sprint cars come there quite a bit too. Uh, or the Outlaws have been there. Um, I've been to this track before. It puts on good events and uh it's going to be a high speed good good fun racetrack to do so the reason i got even more excited about this story was because if they're doing multiple tracks you know pennsylvania you know southern well, uh, pennsylvania ha is has a plethora of tracks they already got williams grove obviously but there's a couple other in the area that are really popular and one of them uh that was speculated by Wes Hurd. He said that they were going to Lincoln Speedway after this one. Now, Lincoln Speedway is about a half hour or so from my house, and I've been there many, many times. I've actually raced on it before. And you know how every every year they used to do like a poll? They'd ask the ask guy racers, you know, what track would you like to see? I put Lincoln Speedway there every time. And I am so excited this thing gets scanned. It's it's really the home of the Pennsylvania Posse more than more than Williams Grove is. And uh, man, I'm so excited to see uh, these uh, Pennsylvania tracks possibly getting scanned. I'm I'm really excited for it. Yeah, that's great. And you know, Port Royal, I you know that's one of the big ones. I mean, that, like you said, that's a faster track. You know, when Kyle Larson wins the the Kings Royal, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun track, man. I, I just I just can't t contain how excited I am to, to get this. I, I got a list of about five different people. I'm going to text once I if I get confirmation that they're doing Lincoln. People that I've raced with there saying, "Hey, man, I race is doing Lincoln Speedway. If you're not on it, you get on it. It's awesome." So, Wes Hurd Jr., uh, who we race with in the Fast Track uh, Sim Racing League. Uh, he put in the Discord uh, a picture. I don't know if it was this one uh, that this was happening, and he had the information some other way. And he's the one who had said, "Yeah, Lincoln Speedway is coming next." But I don't know where he got the information. I kind of asked him, you know, if I could, you know, get a second source. Uh, I never did get one, so we're not sure about Lincoln for sure. But definitely, uh, we're spotted at Port Royal. Well, it makes sense with what they said. You know, they're going to be knocking out a bunch at a time if they're all going to be in the same area. Uh, like I said, there's a plethora of tracks in this area that, that can be done. There's even another big one called uh, Susquehanna Speedway that's that's real close by, too. And uh, that would be a good one, too. But we'll see. Uh, I guess, you know, it's a, it's a, a bunch of riches to, uh, to, to pick from in this area. So uh, I hope they get as many as they can while they're out. Who likes tips for iRacing? That's why people listen to this show. They're always looking for tips. Well, Dan Suzuki from Overtake 
uh, I guess it's overtake.com. No, or dot uh, GG. Dot GG, yeah. Sorry. Um, posted up an article with uh, a short video talk talking about uh, things he wish or things he wish he knew uh, when he was beginning with iRacing. So I guess iRacing tips for beginners is what he's called the article with Dave Suzuki. Um, and I think this is kind of like the same type of thing where, you know, we all get the first impressions on what, um, what happens right when you first start off of iRacing, right? Um, there's, there's, there's a, from days when I started compared to what people start with now, the um, there's a lot more of a learning curve, I would believe, just with the content-wise, right? So, oh, yeah. I mean, nowadays, I mean, if you start, you got ghosting, you got AI, you got all this stuff before you even race anyone real. When I started, we had none of that. I mean, we were in practices with real people day one. So well, this is a great video, Greg. I mean, he really breaks it down into a couple different lessons. Uh, the first one was don't be afraid to lose your I rating. Well, and that's the thing that we, sorry, that's the thing that we, um, we always talk about it when we first, when you're first coming up in I racing, just, just drive, just get out there and, and, and learn the tracks and learn stuff. Don't worry about your safety rating. Don't worry about your I rating, learn the cars. That's the biggest thing that you need and you need to do. There's, there's certain things in the sim that, uh, you just can't focus on wanting to win right away or um, be the fastest. I know a lot of people do, but you, there's there's a lot of people have been doing this for a long time on here, and it's it's there is a learning curve, and I think these uh, these videos will you know help people understand it. But I don't think um, you know everybody wants to attack it right away, right? And it's a lot easier now with fast tracking. So also he says, search for solutions rather than blame. He talks about net code communication fault and what that means. Don't focus on minor things too much. There was something in here. He was talking about the input. Um, what was it here? I'm just trying to find it again. He was talking about the imp. There was, it had to do with the spinning out and stuff like that, the occasional spinning out. Um, Oh, it was part of the net code part and it was net code communication faults between the inputs of the game is what he was talking about. So, you know, it's a good intro video. I mean, obviously overtake is putting out tons of sim racing material and uh, this is the next one. Well, speaking of new material, we did have a patch come out recently, right? Season four, patch two. Yeah. Kind of out of the blue. I was surprised when you said, Oh, you need to download if you're going to race. Um, looks like a few upgrades to the IO Racing UI. They made a couple of changes with the hosted racing. Uh, you can now, this was kind of, this probably maybe the biggest thing. Uh, there's a new option where you can create start race with qualifying tire choice. Um, that's pretty important for the, uh, the, uh, Indian or the open wheel guys, right? With all the different tire compounds. Um, the next step will be if they can actually make your qualifying tire percentage carry over. That will be pretty cool. But yeah, um, if you don't qualify, you can still basically pick any ch choice. Uh, so they fixed an issue with heat race configuration. Bunch of changes with hosted AI. Um, uh, then the rest of it all looks like minor stuff. Yeah, lots of fixes and graphical adjustments, little things, uh, setups updated. 
tracks updated they continue to work on the the, the scene here and there where the textures don't line up correctly yeah i like this one's i thought was odd but random but it said fixed textures with the screw on the front fender of the bmw m4 it's kind of like just a an odd thing to just it must have been cracking in and out or something so this one was interesting to me the mount washington auto road it says fixed an issue where a sinister shadowy beam could be seen emitting from the peak of mount washington on certain graphical settings they were communicating with the mothership i believe what they uh they didn't include yet is uh how to know what kind of session a hosted race is you know what uh this build really shows the detail that they go to to fix just the little minor things you know and the mad if you could imagine that you know their, their bug tracking software where they're actually tracking what's wrong their fix and their implementation I'm sure they're writing it down somewhere, but there's got to be a list of bugs that's like a million miles long, and and they're just picking through it, man, and they're getting it done. It's awesome. I was going to say, this seems like a major bug to have uh, at WeatherTech. Uh, fixed a piece of curbing that could cause snagging on the outside of turn 10. I mean, how do these things get, you know, figured out while somebody reports it? You know, hey, there's a problem here. You know, I got launched or whatever, and... Uh, and then they stick it in the, the the list of things to fix, and then eventually it, it gets fixed. Let's go into special events. Greg, the BenQ Mobius Cup of Nations. And we talked about this last week, right? So yeah, just a, a, rem- a reminder, reminder that it's that, coming. Um, it's coming up in December, uh, the weekend of the 4th and 5th. Um, they have put their promotional video here on the VCO VCO Esports uh, Twitter page, um, just as a reminder uh, to register now and uh, get signed up. All right. And then also the iRacing Presents 2021 Crandon Championship is coming here shortly, October 11th through the 17th. So Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, one time slot a day. So you got to, and then the Saturday Super Session takes the top 20 in the overall points from the race week. And then at Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern and Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, I actually uh, talked to teammate Tyler about this because he's a, he's a big fan of the truck races and uh, he likes Crandon a lot. He's going to try to get a couple in next week, but unfortunately he's on vacation at that weekend. So he's not going to make it if he happens to qualify. But um but uh, it is a really fun track. I know that for sure. I haven't gotten it yet, Greg, but um, it's on my list. Okay, podcast housekeeping. Don't forget about the Aftermath podcast. Uh, Tony, tell us what's going on. Well, I'm pretty sure we're going to be doing something this weekend. Um, yeah, so uh, we're, we're hoping to record this Saturday. Uh, it's It's been a half a minute since we've done it. We tried I uh, just haven't been able to get the schedules to work out. Things have been busy with the three of us. We've all just had uh, lots of stuff happening over the last little while, but uh, looking forward to get back in. we got a bunch of things to talk about, um, but I don't have my scrap piece of envelope sitting around here, so I can't give you any insight. Just jump in. You know how it is. We just we go on the fly. We'll figure it out. It'll be a good time. All right. Yeah, check that out. Don't forget about our website, iRacersLounge.com. We are in regular rotation on the Performance Motorsports Network. Podcast Fantasy League. 
in a casual setting. Hey, uh, Brian, uh, now that we're talking fantasy, it's not going to be Brian, actually. We got Tony here. So, Tony, tell us a little bit about fantasy. Well, who all got screwed this weekend? <laughs> or should we say Monday? I was working and never changed anything. I just left it from Sunday. I got like 70 points. Yeah, I didn't fare out too well myself. Um, and luckily, uh, Resdog, he didn't do all that well either, but he did finish a few points ahead of me. So um, I got some more got some more work there to do yet. We still got time. Um, there was uh, some people there that was able to figure things out and kind of, you know, had a good roll of the dice. I mean, there's got to be winners, right? Kind of lost my spot. So when you're looking at the league standings, are you looking at playoff league standings now? Um, or do you look at overall? No, I'm just looking um, overall. All right. But all it changes on the on the fantasy, if I understand right, is that everybody gets their drivers back that they've used. Am I correct? We don't have a points reset for us. Yeah. I think that's right. You just uh, keep your points carried over. You just get some of your drivers back that you might have used up in the regular season. So I'd like to point out that if you look at Talladega results only, uh, I'm the top of the team here in P6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I think I'm like near the bottom. So congratulations, Mike. Yeah, you're you're up there I'm holding the restri- us strong. Stricter plate guy, right? Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> Chris, uh, Chris uh, is right behind me in seventh, and then not too far down, I see uh, Brian. Yeah, I didn't have too bad of a week. Um, I was able to watch the race live, being that it was on uh, Monday afternoon. For some reason, I got home early enough to watch it, and uh, I was able to make a, a quick switch out, uh, which probably saved me a bunch of points. Yeah, I was kind of bummed. Uh, I didn't really burn anybody. Um, I, I did like the Denny's and stuff like that. There's just no way I'm going to gamble them here. Um, but man, <laughs> like even if you look at like our Amarola, Amarola, your ass, our number one guy for the week, he's only sitting at 203 points. So it's not a huge, huge day. So like where everybody was kind of hit hard by that, that rain stoppage. Yeah. Um, my actual, I had Denny in the garage. I didn't really want to use him, but, um, I had Bowman as one of my top five and he got wrecked out early and I had to put, had to make the change. Otherwise I was going to get killed. Um, so that was only, that was a substitute I made. I almost, I was talking to Tyler before the race started uh, the day before. And I was like, I'm, I was really thinking about putting Bubba in it too. And I just said, eh, I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I had Bowman and I also had to Benedetto and uh, neither one of them worked out very good in my favor. So I, I took that hit, but we're onto the Roval. And uh, what's really going to be interesting with the Roval is like, we know Chase is super strong, um, but we also know that Harvick, Larson. he's just, well, yeah, Larson's there. Um, but Harvick, he's sitting just outside that, uh, outside the bubble. But he also has a receipt in his pocket for Chase. And uh, whether you agree or not, that, part does not matter. Harvick has that receipt. He's made that clear. So wonder uh, if this could be when he's going to cash it in it, with it being a, an elimination race. And if he's got nothing to, to lose, um, Chase, Chase could. Well, do you have the guts to not start Chase just because of that, though? That's the question. My question here is, is are they even going to see each other on the track? The only time 
Harvick in a road course might become relevant there is against Chase. Is Chase is either coming through the field because he either has started the back or the points, or he's lapping them. But that would be Harvick is if you look at Harvick's last, I don't know. I think he he's his probably last ten road course finishes. He ain't a very good road course racer with finishes. I I just don't see them even being in the same stratosphere on the track for that opportunity to happen. Well, Chase let off the throttle. Um, Harvick very well could do the same thing and then just become a rolling chicane. So, um, you know, if if the race isn't going Harvick's way, I could totally see something like that happening. Um, but with him sitting just outside, I mean, he's going to be scrambling for everything he can. And, you know, getting back at Chase with that uh, kind of scenario happening, like he's, he's not going to do anything. He's not going to do anything to jeopardize his chances. But, um, you know, if it's uh, blown right out of the water for him, uh, yeah, then he very well could. It's just something to kind of, you know, kind of think about, I guess. Like, you know, do you not play Chase? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, you just stop breathing because you don't want to breathe? I don't know. You're probably going to play Chase. I would. Well, Here's the thing. We got uh, one of our uh, listeners here in chat. Uh, he's taught the one, if you don't want to play chase, you're probably your sneakier bet is probably Byron because he's pretty good on the road course. He was good at the Roval, um, but he also has nothing to lose. So he's going to be going for it through the whole race. He's not going to be going for points or anything. He has to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's another, that could be another smart play. Um, he, he is very capable and yeah, he's he's got to win in order to to move on. So um, that could work either that's way, if, really. Uh, but that's if Byron doesn't take out his teammate like he did at a uh, Road America. Well, he's he got a little out. bit more experience at the Roval than he did at Road America. So <laughs> they're, I think, if I remember correctly, they're calling for rain Saturday. I'm not sure if it's going to leak into Sunday. Well, it's um. I mean that that'll definitely play into it. Like they got they got the wipers and stuff. Like, oh, is it? It was Daytona, wasn't it? Where they had the torrential downpours and they were still trying to race in that. It's Coda, wasn't it? Well, they had um, Coda had the heavy rain and they couldn't even see where they. Yeah, had Coda was heavy rain, but they yeah they they ran they ran uh, Charlotte last year with rain tires. Did they not? The Roval? I thought it was last year's Roval. Didn't they? Didn't they start off with rain tires yeah. and then they were they were just tearing them to pieces because it was kind of slowing up and stopping. Yeah, and the Saturday race was that one that is it Almondinger one that was crazy wet. Like it was the, the we thought we thought it was the wettest race, and then Coda was like, "Hold my beer." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. The Saturday race was the rain race, and then Sunday like started off with rain tires, and they everybody switched back to road. The normal tires. So before we get away from fantasy, let's not forget about the dinger since we just mentioned him. Um, I mean, I think I've played him at like every road course that he's raced this year, and I don't think he's really let me down. Um, could be a solid play. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Well, let's jump into the hardware software, and we're going to start with just a, a quick little rundown of Mike's build. Quick, you say, huh? Well, let's talk about it. So, I did. Uh, I have a proper uh, build uh, with pictures and text 
on the notes as well as on the forums if you guys really want to look at the nitty gritty. But I'm trying to document it because not a lot of people do it to this degree. And, and there's a lot of little minute details in a project like this. Um, and budgeting wise, you know, I'm trying to share, you know, as that goes as well, you know, how much over budget am I going? How much more different things do I have to buy and that kind of thing. So I'll kind of go through a, a few of these items uh, over the last seven days. What you know, I, I had purchased everything on the last show. Um, then the stuff started arriving. Well, the first thing I got was uh, from Etsy. It was a cell phone holder, and my cell phone uh, would fit in it perfectly if I didn't have a case on it. But uh, it doesn't really fit with the case on it. So guess what? It turned into my candy dish or my candy holder. And I'm going to mount that somewhere right on the rig. Now. I have to ask, if you keep buying the nerds, does that go into the budget or is it just out of the candy budget? So I do nerds, I do uh, sweet tarts and they come in those boxes and those boxes slide perfectly into the holder. But I also buy those Hershey mini chocolate bars that are individually wrapped. And this uh, thing will hold nine of those perfectly. And so I'm gonna switch back and forth and just have some chocolate or candy or something on the rig that I can reach when I'm strapped in. I got the seat mover. I planned on, I need to buy a power strip because I wanted to get all the power in one place. And I have, I'm gonna have several USB things, three of them. And I didn't want to have to plug those into AC as well. So I got a special power strip that has four USB ports and 10 outlets. I think I have eight outlets on the rig total that I need to power including my Hue uh, Phillips light. I'm gonna somehow incorporate that on the rig. I haven't figured it out yet. The seat belts came and oh my God, they're overkill, but I got them installed uh, and tried them and I love it. It just pins me into the seat. I also got the computer tray uh, from Advanced Sim Racing and put that together. I think that's gonna work out really good. It, it's really a nice piece of metal. Um, I also got the holder for the Fanatec power supply that I can mount it right to the, the 8020 and uh, put together my custom pedal mounts that I'm working on. And Tuesday night I got, well, Tuesday I got the SimLab rig and I started building it Tuesday after work. I got more done than I thought I would. Um, got the seat on, got the belts on, and then started doing the wheel. And that's kind of, and I did the triple monitor mount, and now I'm working on the, the Visa, Visario Visa mounts. Uh, very difficult to put together, it looks like, um, a million little pieces. And so that's where I'm currently at. I actually uh, spent the entire day today working on the brakes, um, I, getting them off the old cockpit. They were, had rust on the stainless steel rod. It had some nicks, and so the old mount wouldn't come off. And I had to like put it into a vise. I put my feet on the vise and I grabbed them out and ripped as hard as I could to get it off. And I finally did. Um, and then to get the new mounts on, I actually broke uh, the fourth one. I got three of them on. I was on the last one and I broke it like a fool and I had to order a new one. And so I had to place an order again for something else to uh, make the brakes work. Now, as any of our listeners, are going to notice a trend when Mike likes to pull things apart. His seem his feet seem to be involved in helping that thing come apart. I can't believe how many different things I've put together and had to take back apart. the The seat slider was baffling to me. 
baffling. And uh, I, I totally screwed it up. And I even and then the, the wheel mount I put on backwards. It looked like a TIE fighter. Um, I'm like, wait, this isn't right. But one thing I'll say, you know, it's not done, but mission is accomplished. I can tell already there is no play in the seat. There is no play in the wheel. And I mean, none, none, not even a millimeter of movement. Um, and that's, that's it. That was the goal. Well, speaking of seat sliders, I ordered a pair of seat sliders and can't use them because I never, I never, uh, I guess I'd made a mistake a long time ago when I bought my Sparco seat. It's got bottom mounts instead of the side mounts. So my, my uh, brackets are actually upside down connected to my Sim 1 rig. And there's just not a way to make, I don't think I can get the sliders to work. So we're looking into uh, whether or not I can drill into this this fiber or not, or if I'm just kind of stuck. So if anybody's got any tips, let us know. Mike, I was looking at the, I was trying to send a bunch of uh, things to you earlier today when uh, uh, you showed the picture of your seat mounted to your rig here. The way it looks, it reminds me of the Spider-Man suit. The red and blue. It, yeah, it's got the same red and blue color. And you know what? It looks really sharp. I mean, all black, the whole rig. And then you got that blue Alcantara and, and the bright red belts with yellow and black on them. And, and the belts feel so good. I mean, it, I can't tell you that I would... I was expecting that they would feel good, but I, it really feels good sitting in it. I mean, I just love it. Do on the back of your seat there from this picture, does it go down into that back rail is where those seat belts come out the back of the seat and down and mount well, into? It's an interesting uh, way that I, I got this from another, somebody on YouTube, but the way I did the belts is the lap belts are literally hooked together with a giant rubber band. So the ball underneath the seat, and it's just long enough. I have them so it, it's a nice tight fit, and there's like tension on it. And then the the crotch belt and the shoulder belts, those are hooked together as well with four big O zip ties. So down underneath the seat, they're all zip tied together, and they pull on each other. And I have them just the right length, so everything is really tight when I strap in. So what breaks first, his zip tie or his rubber? Well, the rubber band, I think, is going to go first, but I need to get somebody here to help me. I need somebody to sit in the chair, and I go underneath the rig where the rubber band is, and I'm thinking about making some zip ties that are just, you know, uh, long, because uh, I need them to stretch because they weren't long enough. That was the problem. And so I'll, I'll, I'll get some zip ties around with the rubber band to help protect, you know, from overstretching or something like that. But yeah, if anyone has ideas on mountain belts, I mean, the thing is, is the seat is on a slider and it's sliding a good six, eight inches. And if I mount the belts to the frame, then that doesn't work. And so, and I don't know how to mount the belts directly to the seat, you know, like David is saying, you know, do I drill a hole in it and can you know, can I screw something into it? I, that's an unknown. Right into your seat mounts like that. Those are th that's a thick piece of metal there. You're not going to hurt that. That's true. There are a couple holes there, and I was considering that. Wow. When are you going to get the belt tensioning system? That'll take away all your problems. Well, that's down the road. This is a big expense, and it's it's more than I had hoped to be. But I'm committed now. I'm you know, I'm, I'm spending whatever it takes to finish this project. Well, we do have a little uh, audience interaction. I'm loving this chat going, and Greg just popped it, and I have to share this with the uh, with the guys. Um, 
I think those are just quotes. So it says Xiphus. We'll just go with Xiphus. He says, I think that his Spider-Man suit will actually give out first. I think and that's all the way from Belgium, too. I'm telling you what, with my Philips Hue light LED system, I'm gonna some I'm gonna put that somewhere like behind the monitors, I think. This thing is gonna look pretty sharp. So Mike, I I um actually tie my lap belts to the frame. I don't have any problem with it if I had to move the seat around. I typically don't move it around too much anyway. Um, I do more so when if my kid wants to um, use it, and then I have to slide the seat forward quite a bit, but I don't have any issues with that. Yeah, and I might do that. I mean, there's a lot of adjustability in the belts, and, and uh, yeah, but I mean, this seems to be gold. I mean, it works like a charm, and uh, I was surprised that it, it came together so quickly. The, 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 the belts really came together quickly. The chair took me forever because of the slider, and I had it upside down, and and yeah, and then the brakes, I broke the mount. So I've had some challenges, but it's going well. And this time next week, I expect to be broadcasting from that seat. So how long is it going to take for that part that you have to wait on? I'll be here tomorrow, luckily. So I'll be able to finish the brakes tomorrow. And tomorrow's my day off. So um, I, I intend to put the monitors uh, probably on tonight and get the computer going and stuff like that. Yeah, he needs those brakes ready to go because he's in, he's really anticipating racing this roll race tomorrow night. He's so excited for it. Be he's excited for, for it, guys. Everybody, he's excited. Now, I think this will be a drop week for me, but what's next week, though? Oh, it, it's a drop week for everybody. What are you talking about? All the road courses are because they don't give you any good points. I think we have Kansas, Tech. no, it's Texas, Kansas, Martinsville, Phoenix. One more note, I want to, uh, looking at this picture, it reminds me, this cockpit is sitting on five-inch tall casters. What a brilliant idea Tony Rochette had with that. So I'm sitting in my office chair, and I put in the bolt on this side, and then I spin the thing around without moving and put the bolt in the other side. And it's just so easy to, to maneuver and manipulate when it's on wheels and you just roll the thing around and I'm, like I said, I'm spinning it and moving it about the office, you know, to match where I'm sitting or whatever. It's great. You can even do a soapbox derby race with it. It's going to be heavy. <laughs> I tell you why it's a monster already. I, um, I think it's a, a great idea. Just if, if anything, just to raise it up with those casters, that extra height makes it so much easier to get in and out of. Um, it's just, I just, I just, I built the, uh, just a solid base to set mine on and it's like about eight inches tall. And then I have, I have the rig sitting on top of that base that I built to, and it just raises the seat up to where you just step right into it. You're not like falling into it anymore. My, uh, two inch casters are sufficient considering my height. All right, guys, stop fighting over your inches. <laughs> I think I win. I said mine was eight inches. Yeah, but you're, if you would have put wheels on yours, yours probably would have had a motor on it so you could have moved around the house with how much money you put into it. Well, once the triples are on and everything, it won't leave the office. It won't fit through the door. I was just thinking it would give you a weird sensation if you forgot to unlock the wheels and things started moving away if you were in VR. It has locks on the wheels, so once I get it in position, I'll lock it down. But the idea is all the wiring is going to be on the rig, and there's only going to be power and audio and ethernet and that's it 
And so I'll just unplug those three cables and roll it to the other side of the room and run the vacuum, you know, or whatever. What was, do we, do we ask what was under your other rig once you moved? I haven't got there yet, but it's, uh, (laughs) it hasn't moved for, since I moved into this house. Okay. Literally. And and I, I, I eat dinner right here and I have chalk, you know, I have my chocolate and different things. And yeah, it's going to be scary when I pick up that pedal tray, what's might be under that pet ant farm, (laughs) you know, your pet ant farm that you didn't know about. Just can't get to it. It's just, this rig is sitting flat on the ground and every, you know, all the different equipment and everything, you know, encompassing it, you just can't even clean it. So yeah, this is going to be nice. I think my wife is going to like that. I'm able to, you know, maintain a clean floor in my office. Now we already know that there's going to be nerds and many chocolate bars under there. So, well, Brian, um, for probably about the same price as Mike spent on his rig, you probably could get this new wheel that Fanatec's putting out, yeah? Yeah, uh, so this is their new flagship wheel, possibly. Um, and Chris Hay on his YouTube channel, he uh, puts out the review for the new Fanatec Bentley Sim Racing Wheel. Um, so uh, we, if uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Dave Cam was on at the um, Sim Racing Expo, and he actually got the chance to check it out in real life. Um, but it's it's just a beautiful wheel. Um, the, one of the coolest things about it is uh, the center uh, digital readout in the center uh, rotates uh, so that, you know, if you turn the wheel 90 degrees to the left, that uh, center portion readout will actually stay level and even with your eyes. So uh, that's a new new design in, an, in one of these wheels one of these wheels um uh, it's got buttons all over the place rotaries uh it's it's a, the uh the, the dual clutch um paddles is on there um so it's got and uh in the video chris hay actually shows a picture of the actual bentley that this uh wheel comes from man and it is a dead on uh copy it's amazing uh, so it's uh one of the things that he talked about in the video uh, asked about was pricing they haven't uh, released any pricing as the time of this video is put out um, they say it's going to be in the range of their porsche wheel which is like 650 uh but i have a feeling that's going to be a little low for this guy i think she, she's going to be pushing four figures they said the range i mean Anything above it's kind of in a range. That's that's currently their most expensive rim right now is the 650 Porsche wheel. Um, so um, another thing that was really cool on this uh, video was that he had an interview with uh, Fanatec uh, CEO, Thomas Giacomo, and uh, they asked him about doing more wheels like this that are replicas of uh, you know actual race cars, and he said, "Yeah, that's something that we're definitely going to keep looking into. Something we want to keep keep going with. So we might see more of these um, these uh, custom wheels that look just like their counterparts uh, in the future." Now, do you guys think that that's a wise? I mean, obviously they'll probably make other things too, but do you think that that would be a wise idea? That would isn't that kind of putting their market up a little bit higher because obviously any of these other wheels are going to be name brands. So you're going to be paying for that name. Like are people going to start wanting to buy a, an $800 wheel to 500 to an $800 rim from Fanatec? Or do you think they're just trying to do this? They're going to do this and just be in that price range. And that's what they're deciding to do. I don't know. I see this wheel as 
competition for the high-end wheel market that's somewhere between $1,000 and $1,500. And if they can come in at $999, you know, uh, somehow, I think they would sell a lot of them um, because it, I think it's probably worth more than that. We'd definitely put that wheel up against the Cube Control or the Gomez Industries, and those are somewhere between one thousand and fifteen hundred. Yeah, if, if you're right, Mike. If if they can keep that, um, you know, a little bit under that a thousand dollar mark, you know, even if they get eight nine hundred bucks for it, that's that's something that you would probably prioritize possibly over those other high end Gomez wheels and such. Right, the fancy display, and it, it's kind of a space age looking wheel, like maybe a futuristic, you know wheel kind of look to it with the way the display works but yeah i mean it's different and uh it, it definitely looks worthy you know it, it looks like a thousand dollar wheel one of uh, our listener here uh, in the chat for the actually a viewer i guess in our chat here has been saying that uh, his opinion is they can't go too expenses uh expensive people that are willing to afford the high-end stuff have other wheel or have other bases so is this going to be even their market to to have a lot of expensive ones? Uh, there's probably some people who can afford the high end stuff that are sitting on a DD DD one or DD two. You know, I'm going to be in the I'm going to be in the market for a road wheel. I'm you know now that I've gotten my oval wheel off my base, I have that option and uh, and so I'm going to think about that maybe as my next project. But I don't know which one I would get or if I would spend that kind of money on one. You don't need to spend that kind of money on a on a road rim. Only Brian does. <laughs> I'd be fine with that three hundred dollar one that you have. I think it's actually four ninety nine, but yeah, I, th I think that's what it runs now. But maybe, the problem is the problem is Mike should run with the rim you're suggesting, but the rim he probably will end up will be a Bentley rim sitting in his. <laughs> Just because of the eye candy portion of it. And here's what he'll do. He'll throw it on, get the log in 10 minutes before the before the race, get all the buttons assigned, and, and go. Well, he's he's got to do a TikTok while he's assigning the buttons to do it, though, while he's enjoying his new rim. Well, the next uh, thing, uh, kind of a good segue, because you were mentioning Cube Controls, we have their SP1s or SP01s in action. We have an Instagram video of it. Um, from the Sim Racing PC Instagram, actually. And it's a couple of, I, I'm assuming load cell pedals because the Instagram post says hashtag load pedal, load cell. But there's actually a little cylinder on here as well. So that I'm, I guess that's just giving in a little bit of extra uh, adjustability. They are cool looking pedals. So kind of, again, a space age look, just like uh, I was saying a moment ago, the way the, uh, the metal looks, it's, you know, a, a polished blue, but it's, Got that erector set kind of look that Greg was talking about. I think it. Look, I think these look really nice. These are this, for uh, for what they're, you're using them for. If you're just having, you know, you need a two pedal setup, they definitely are an awesome looking and functioning set. I love the coloring too. The only thing I'm wondering is what good is that emergency stop button in where it's located? <laughs> you thought the exact same. I'm looking at that too. I'm like, is that for you? Got to yell at somebody to go and tell them to hit the button. And is that also, is the slider all the way up there in front of the pedals too? Yeah, it's probably an adjuster. Yeah, I think he's going to put slider on his, on his uh, pedals. 
It's a pretty cool idea, actually. It is a good idea. In fact, I was going to do that if I had gotten flat pedals or different pedals. I was planning on a slider, but with what I ended up with, I'm not able to because they're inverted. Well, this is from an expo, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they got a lot of people like trying these things out, checking them out and stuff. So that's what that emergency button that's is for. Point. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. Yeah, so they probably have a guy standing there in front out, of it, yeah. right? They could start flipping out or something. That's why Tony's here. He's got it. <laughs> Somebody with some common sense. Now, I'm going to introduce this next one to you, Greg. The P13 Pro Inverted. I just said a week or two ago that the sim coaches have the best pedals on the market because I had done the research. And, and right after that, guess what? They put out inverted pedals, 1900 bucks. What, what's that saying? As soon as you blink, the uh, technology is already behind. So, uh, yeah, so now they got these new, uh, as Mike was saying, P1, uh, T1-3 Pro inverted. Uh, they, well, they're showing on my website. I don't know what they are. The conversion American is, but it's $2,300. It's $2,300 Canadian. So that's for Tony and I. Um, but these are very nice, um, very nice uh, steel. So, like they're just metal steel looking. Um, I really like the way that they have them with the with the adjustability knobs right in between all the pedals here. I think it looks really really sleek design. Um, well, it's the exact same pedals I have. They're just turned upside down. It's I mean it, it's literally cloned. Yep. They're just upside down, and the adjustability isn't actually just in the knobs. It's not it's not quite how it works. You actually change the way the be pedal behaves by changing the uh, what kind of washers or springs you have in the on the slave cylinder uh for the for the brake it has these actually really stiff kind of almost plunger washers type uh, you know it's a, it's a, it's a it's not a flat washer but it's kind of kind of converse or, or not converse concave it's it's got a curve shape to it and there that gives you that strong feeling and the clutch actually has a spring even though they're the same pedal that's what gives them such a different feel now here's a question I have for both you, David, and Mike, with your setups. With it being an inverted set like that, is there a bar that you would have to put across the top on an eighty twenty where those would mount into? Is that how you would mount them? You'd have to have some kind of framing, yeah. Okay, so they basically you would just have one that goes from one side to the other, and it would mount up against it. So in in the footwell area. Yeah, I mean, probably what they actually had to change to just make it compatible is something to do. The hydraulics all have to be turned upside down because if it, if I just tried to take mine and turn them upside down, the 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 it just wouldn't work right. The hydraulics, so that's probably the main thing they had to change. But as far as mounting it inverted, you just have to hang it from something, what in whatever way you hang it. Those are really nice looking pedals, though. So my eight year old pedals that I'm putting in um, over here. They, they hang on a steel bar, and, and I'm basically taking that steel stainless bar um, and mounting it on a frame that comes up and goes down, you know, just like a rectangle. And so I could easily take out those steel bars and just put a piece of uh, uh, metal across there and just attach these to it, you know. And so the, these would be a good replacement uh, option if I needed to. Uh, I could easily convert what I, I'm setting up now to, to mount these, it would be pretty easy. 
Um, but man, uh, eye candy, totally. That'll be your next purchase. It might be if these pedals don't work out. I mean, the the metal rod. I mean, I, I was really struggling with that today. I mean, I was thinking this might be the end of it. I might have to buy uh, pedals because I can't deal with this freaking metal rod. Okay, moving on. Uh, the Fanatec CSL DD Explain Part One, and this is uh, Fanatec posted on YouTube a video of their new CSL DD. As explained by them, the manufacturer, uh, other user-created review videos are pouring in as the units are being shipped to market. What's neat about this one is that they got some animation and some uh, break apart where you can see the inside and see what's inside of it and see how it's put together and, and that kind of thing where it's, they, they, they do cutaways and that kind of thing. Really cool if you're uh, buying this just to learn about it. You know, if you, if you're buying this piece of uh, equipment, why don't you, uh, you know, learn about how it works. And of course it, you, it works as a good advertisement. You know, the more videos they can put out about it. Uh, Cause you know, when people go do their research, I mean, this is what they're looking at, you know? Okay. So let's keep going. And there's so many different videos that were put out. Uh, we have one, two, three of them, uh, two reviews and then the Fanatec one. And so I'm not going to talk about each of the review ones. Uh, I did watch them. I have yet to see a bad review on this wheel. I mean, everyone just is glowing about it. Yeah, that's uh, really good to hear because um, um, this is a product that really can make the direct drive market available to a lot of people who might not otherwise been so. And it's really good to see that they're going to be getting a good quality product that they can, you know, they can get all the, uh, all of the perks of a direct drive wheel for a more affordable price. I know, uh, I know Tyler's been dying to get his, it still hasn't come in yet. So he's still waiting on his shipment, but, but, uh, yeah, kudos if Fanatec makes this thing, and it's as good as uh, some of the re earlier reviews have come in. Yeah, Tom is also waiting for his. Uh, I saw somebody on Facebook said they got theirs early, earlier than they said they were going to ship it. So uh, fingers crossed, maybe they'll get theirs early. Now, Brian, this is how you come to market with a product in this industry. These guys, in one week, just blasted onto the scene. Yeah, this company is called Moza, M-O-Z-A, and they are have come out with uh, two separate uh, direct drive wheel bases. They're, uh, they have a 16R, 16R21, which uh, refers to their uh, strength, 16 newton meters for the one and 21 newton meters for the other. Uh, they're very, very nice design. The the 16 is, uh, has a matte black with these the sunburst orange on the sides, which is really beautiful. Um, so it's a great looking wheel. The uh, the 21 has a little bit more black in it. That doesn't have that uh, sunburst color. Um, so they're they're just came out. It's a really nice um, Dave Cam, who uh, again, who we've uh, spoken to before. He actually purchased one and tweeted a picture of of the boxes in his room. So he's got some testing to do. He says, "So uh, my only my only point is, Dave, man, you got to get the twenty one. Why don't you get the sixteen for? You got to step it up, man." I so think he might be doing like a review thing, though. Like maybe they sent it to him. 
Well, if that's the case. Uh, I'll, I'll let us slide on that. But yeah, he's got he's got the wheelbase pedals. He's got the mount for it. R R one rim. So yeah, so he's got the full deal. So good luck to Dave. Um, hope hope it all works out well. Either way, whether it's a a test product or whether he got it for himself. And so uh, these are for sale on this German website, simracing-pc.de. Yeah, that's and, a German uh, website there. Uh, but the product is actually uh, Chinese-made. It's okay, but they're selling them on this website. Yeah, 1,200 uh, plus shipping euros. Yeah, that's for the R16 model. Um, we're at 1,400 euros for the R21, uh, 21 newt meter model. And this is in German, so I, I'm not certain, but it looks like uh, they have the pedals at 529 euros plus shipping. They appear to be load, simple load cell pedals. Nothing too fancy for that price, though. They kind of remind me of a Fanatic, a more streamlined Fanatic pedal. There are right. three pedals. And the base has a, the wheelbase has a look like the Thrustmaster wheelbase, kind of, you know, the way it's, it's not just a, a rectangle or a square. Options you see the are dash, good. It's in the dashboard screen you can get for three hundred euro. That's right on top of the right on top of the base. That's neat that they plan the, to build that in, Tony, because that's always a, a challenge is trying to figure out an aftermarket product to put on the base like I have. Yeah, this is kind of something a little different to set these guys apart from so is this a you know competitor to Sim Magic? I, I presume, presume since it's China based, or well, they're all competitors with each other. I mean, so more competition is better. It drives innovation and price down. But uh, unfortunately, something that's driving the price up on just about anything is the uh, the tech supply crisis, right? And it may get even more complicated. The next article we're talking about. It, it's not just a silicon shortage anymore. Uh, still, uh, I gave the article a read, and it pretty much comes down to no fact because of COVID. M most factories are either shut down or still not at full capacity. And we're not just now running out of the silicon chips, but even uh, simple passive hardware like resistors, capacitors, and, and such to help fill the circuit board up are just becoming not available and are going to be slowing everything down. Yeah, and um, you hear these stories out in California with all these cargo ships that are just lined up that can't get offloaded because they can't, they don't have enough people to offload them and 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 drive the trucks uh, out of the ports once they are offloaded. So, uh, yeah, this is a really uh, sad story, man, because it's it's really keeping people from getting a lot of the stuff that they want. It's driving up the prices on what's available and uh, just making it everything more difficult and more expensive for, for people in this hobby, you know? And it's not just this hobby. Uh, it's car parts, cell phone parts, anything electronic. It's just, you can't get a hold of it right now. Exactly. And, and the way that this, um, you know, it's the technology is advancing and the hardware is not available to keep up with all the advances in the technology. It's so it's a, it's, it's creating quite a, quite a backlog. Yeah. My next project is to going to be to build a PC, but you know, I'm not even really thinking about it right now because I know I can't get parts for it. And if I can, they're, they're so expensive. I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to put that kind of money into it yet. Yeah. I can't imagine trying to build a computer right now and get parts. All right, I got this one. Uh, 
one of our teammates sent this in, uh, DSD conversion frames for wheel-mounted pan panels. So uh, if you have a DSD wheel-mounted panel and want to replace the frame or migrate to a different wheel platform, they have conversion frames for each type of panel they manufacture. So um, if you're going from a CSL to a DD or, or something like that, uh, you could reuse your button box uh, without having to sacrifice. So pretty cool. Yeah, Mike, I, um, I originally had the, the uh, DSD um, panels for the um, Fanatec CSL. And then when I got to direct drive, I just bought the uh, conversion panels and took the button boxes out and put them back in and I was good to go. Um, so they do the same thing. If you're going from a CSL to the new, uh, CSL direct drive panel. So uh, that's that's something that's out there. And um, I talked to uh, Tyler about this because he's getting his new uh, CSL DD, and he wants to get the uh, he wants to get the uh, Derek Spears panels for it. But you know he doesn't have an existing set already. So um, he actually contacted Derek Spears, and uh, he's just going to take the boxes, the uh, button boxes and put them directly into the uh, CSL DD panels for him so he doesn't have to buy one and then buy the conversion kit to uh, get it to work. So, And he saved him a bunch of money by doing that. So Derek Spears, uh, I, I've dealt with him a couple times with a couple of purchases, man, and he has been awesome as far as communication, helping you out as much as you can. Uh, so I can't, as far as customer service and product goes, I can't recommend uh, Derek Spears anymore. Yeah, and I'm I'm still looking for a button box. I'm, I'm kind of waiting till my rig is all put together to kind of figure out where I want to have it before I buy it. You know, I want to see where it be, how big a space I have for it, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm looking for button boxes. I'll be looking at Derek Spears for sure. He's got some good stuff. I'm really happy with the ones that are on mine that are cooked up directly to the direct drive. You have the panel on either side, David. Uh, yeah. And uh, I got slightly different designs um, that I thought would be optimal for my use. You know, you can basically pair them up any any two combinations you want. And I might still do that. I haven't decided yet. Um, there's some other ones I'm looking at too. So I'm uh, maybe something a little more low key than the whole dash thing, but we'll see. Uh, having a lot of rotary knobs is really handy. As and, and all the switches, I don't have to. I don't even really have to use crew chief anymore for because I've got a button for right tires, no tires, uh, uh, four, four tires, right, when that clears fuel. I've got buttons tied into JRT that automatically uh, set me for just enough fuel to finish the race. Uh, so having all those extra buttons can be really handy. Oh, there's a great button where you can mute somebody who just won't shut up on chat. Have they come up one where you can automatically protest by hitting a button? <laughs> nope, you have to wait, uh, like, an hour before you can protest usually do they have a, a countdown a one hour countdown they can put on there um probably most of my races there end up end up at night so i'll just go to bed and i'll type it up and go to bed and press enter in the morning but uh we do we have a motion rig here greg and it looks like that emergency stop button is in a position that makes more sense i feel like that one's maybe not I mean, it's in a good spot, but I also feel like, you know, if you put your arm down beside your rig or if you reach for something, you might bump it if it's there's something on the ground there. But this is the first time I think we've come up with an F1 style motion rig 
right? Like I we we don't review F one motion style rigs very often, and it's it's very small. I mean, it's a small footprint. It's it's like not a lot of uh, metal. I mean. I could have built this. I could have bought enough stuff to buy this. It looks like it's a pretty simple build. So a listener of our, uh, from the podcast here, uh, Troy Eaton sent the video of this do it yourself, 80, 20 formula style sitting position rig. And I guess he's also got motion or they've got motion added to this rig as well. So it's basically kind of reminds me of just like, it's just a square footprint with the seat sitting right in the center and basically you're yeah and you're basically just sitting or laying down from that position on and it doesn't really go much further but it, is that that center one is it a slide side to side or is no. it just like a pivoting point yeah if you look at the video it's just balancing it's just basically sitting on a top and it's got the two actuators in the back that are are which are kind of long arm actuators and instead of a piston actuator it's kind of more like a lever actuator kind of kind of get up yeah it's like a a universal joint in the center that lets it move any direction that these uh these uh rotary uh things actuators kind of move it around in and for the whole thing to work the whole cockpit that the guy's sitting on with the wheel and pedals and his wind machine and his seat and everything is pretty low-key small contained so it can be on that pivot point, right? Yeah, it's got a, it's a very short uh, vertical pillar that goes up to the wheels, right? He's got fans up there on that rig too. Well, it it keeps within the F one style, where you, like you're saying, David, they're very the vertical are the vertical mounts for the side where the seats or the sorry the wheel sits on is not very high. It's basically what has it got? Maybe two, two or three inches, maybe two three inches in between his th- his uh, thighs and the bottom of the base? Well, a normal rig, it would go higher, but they're saving a lot of weight by having it up up there in that shape. Yeah, and it's, I mean, he's obviously in an aerodynamic position with the way F1 styles sit, right? But I think it's a really, a very nice setup for, for the simplicity of it. Now, just imagine getting in and out of this thing. I mean, that's that's what I was thinking. Like, I was like, you're gonna have to literally out. crawl in and like shove your leg in there. I mean, in this little hole, and yeah. So not when, for the old geezers. Now here's here's a question for Brian with uh, um, motion. Does it have a point where it always returns back to, or is it the last position it was in? Uh, no, it actually, after, if you like uh, go to the pits or something, or if you crash or something, it just resets back to the neutral position and then uh, starts over from there. Okay, so, but there is a neutral position at all times for it? Yeah, pretty much, yep. If you were wanting to build a, a simple formula motion system, I mean, this is one to copy for sure. It looks fairly simple. I mean, pretty cool. I mean, yeah like it yeah even if you didn't do it motion you could just put legs underneath it right even then it would still be platformed cool up mm-hmm. it's just a neat way to do the uh the 80 20 you know into that kind of configuration you know where it's really built around the formula seat you know it's just like a frame around the seat itself and and then like a like i said a two foot upright at the most not even that and then it's really long you know 
extrusion for the pedals, you know, that sticks out. That's pretty much level with your face, you know. All right, moving on, uh, we got to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the Ferrari brand, the TS PC Racer now comes with a replica of the wheel of the real Ferrari 488 Challenge car to create the new TSPC Racer Ferrari 488 Challenge Edition by Thrustmaster. So, yeah, if you want a Thrustmaster, you can get a Ferrari uh, emblem on the wheel. Well, is that is that a whole lot different than their their standard TS Racer PC Racer? I don't know what's different. I mean, I guess it's just this, the wheel looks a little bit different. Maybe the material they use for the rim, but uh, it looks like an El- Alcantara or suede. Yeah, it does look nice. I, I can't picture what the other one looked like to try and... I don't think it's much different, but definitely a nice-looking rim for rim choice for uh, Thrustmaster. Uh, the next thing we're looking at here is a Sim one, SimLab P1X Dash that's by Apex, right? Um, and it looks like... Um, it's a set of button boxes and and a, like a full dashboard that goes in front of a, I guess, a sim cube design. Directly. Well, no, it's just the boxes, David, and and they're designed to fit into the holes that are in the sim labs front facing wheel mount that you would use with a sim cube wheel. Okay, so the the front mount automatically comes with the holes. Right. So when you get a sim a sim labs front mount. Uh, wheel mount it has these cutouts in the steel and so these apex button boxes are designed the perfect little size to fit into that cutout and so uh, it's pretty cool i mean if you had that front facing uh, mount um, this would be ideal way to add button box i would definitely be interested if i had that type of mount yeah and um, do we just have the video up here twice is that what's what's going on in the script right now well, normally we put a video and then we put the link for attribute, uh, you know, to attribute it, but perhaps it embedded twice. Well, we probably should uh, shift to the next uh, topic then, Greg. <laughs> nice transition. Uh, uh, Sim Vertex V2 Sim Racing Shifter. Uh, it's a uh, very nice looking shifter here. I'm just trying to see who who's doing this review. Um, unboxing so i guess it's from tl i guess it's someone who bought it that's the uh thing but this is a this is pretty much basically a shifter that you can almost you would find in your own general uh car the way that this thing's designed but it's a it is a is it a gated shifter here i'm just trying to figure out all the details on it but it is very nice uh design it looks like you have to grease it all up when you first get it and everything this is uh, he's got it mounted in his eighty twenty rig here, but I don't know. What do you What do you think of it, Mike? Well, he gets it's from China. It's six hundred fifty US. Um, okay, it is gated. It when he when he's driving it in the video. I mean, it, it looks like the action is really nice. You know, it looks like you know it feels like a shift as he goes from one to the other. The sound of it though, it, it's it's really loud, and that kind of threw me off. Well, you can have headphones on most of the time, right, or loudspeakers. Uh, what's kind of neat about it that's a little bit different than the other shifters is is how long the shaft is. 
And yeah, it really uh, sticks you're, up. You're, you're welcome, Tony. Uh, I know you'll have fun with that one. But um, it just, it's got a real, the, the slots are really narrow. And um, we, and then, it, so it, it's like more like a real shifter would be, having that extra length. What's with the three things uh, across the top and on the side? It almost looks like audio jacks or something that you would plug a cable into. I don't know what they are. Are you talking those three things right in front of it there? Right. You see the three little things sticking up? They're Allen keys. Oh, those are just screws? Okay. Yeah. It's got a nice look to it. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, with the new NASCAR, you know, being sequential, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a big demand for H patterns. I mean, is there a lot of cars out there with H still? All of I'm the, okay with that. All, all, all of the older models are still running it. So if you if you're really into the realism of having that H pattern shifter, you'll probably want it. Uh, I've just gotten so used to sequential since the Fanatex uh, H pattern became so unreliable that I I would struggle going back at this point. Well, some of those H patterns that are currently available out there, like the one that Joe Owen has, that's like. A, what fourteen hundred dollars or something crazy? Uh, I mean, they're expensive, and so this is a good alternative. You know, at six fifty, half half the price. All right, Brian, we got a speaking of sequential about a Simmagic sequential. Yeah, so uh, this is a Simmatic Simmagic's uh, sequential shifter. It's uh, it's a nice looking unit. It's a uh, kind of industrial looking. Doesn't have a real finished looking uh, base to it, but. Um, there's uh, some videos on it, uh, how, how well it works, uh, and uh, it's been pretty uh, well-reviewed. Uh, it's got uh, four buttons on it, actually, and it has a digital readout as to what gear you're in. Uh, one of the buttons, uh, three of the buttons are mappable. So there's four buttons, three of them are mappable, and one of them is used to set the, uh, to set the gear that you're in. So uh, you can adjust the gear that you're in. Um, there's adjustment knob for tension, and uh, you can get it with the standard height, and there's one that's a little bit longer, that's a little bit more expensive. Uh, let's see, so the one that's a standard handle, 78 millimeter handle is 409, and the extended handle, uh, which is 120 millimeters is 429. So uh, it's it's a it is a nice looking heavy duty looking uh, a sequential shifter, and you know everybody knows the new cars are coming out with sequentials. So if you don't have one yet, this looks like it's a pretty pretty decent deal, 400 bucks. It's not 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 a uh, bank breaker. So uh, yeah, um, it's not 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 a bad mad not a bad deal at all. I was amused by the video, um, Brian. This guy Douglas Thompson, who I'm following now, um, he he's removing his Russian A-log shifter, which is the one I got, to uh, you know try this this Sim Magic one, and and he and during the video he's kind of comparing them, and he's like, "Well, this Russian one's all metal, and and this other one's plastic," you know, and and, he, and he's going through the different things, and I'm like, "Well, you should probably just keep the Russian one. It sounds like a better one." And how much was this? Oh, how much was that metal? How much was the Russian one, Mike? Compared, I paid three sixty, I think. Okay, so there you go. My my question is: is these these shifters that some of these that they're building now? You're starting to you're you know here you're talking about the flex for the wheel and stuff for the DD. Some of these shifter plates are going to have to have no flex in them too because the way that that one looked pretty stiff where it was mounted to. 
um, and you don't want any flex, or you're gonna bust it right off the top the mount. Well, the Russian one I have came with a really thick metal plate for mounting for uh, to eighty uh, twenty, and I mounted it earlier today, and it's rock solid. It's not budget. I almost want to start singing for this next one because it's a title right out of West Side Story. Something new coming. This is our last one before we move on. Precision Sim Racing posted on their Facebook page a teaser of a new motion system coming to their lineup uh, from Precision Sim Racing. Uh, did you guys see the video? The guy's kind of sitting on the motion rig as it's moving about. Uh, is it 6 DOF? Well, I don't think it would be considered six because it doesn't have the yoke where it rotates. You know, it's still moving up and down, left and right. But this one kind of has a forward-backward movement, which would be like for the heave, uh, what they call it in sim racing studio, is um, is the heave, which is, you know, thrust your body forward or backwards depending on the uh, G-forces that are on the car. So it's a video of this platform, like you said, that moves forward and backward, but it's got like four little, you know, two inch uh, holes to put your D box stand into, basically. So then with your D box, you're going up and down and all that, but then you have this forward backward to go with it. If you had to choose, which would you want more, the heave or the yaw? Well, the yaw gives you better feedback as far as losing grip on your car because you, you'll feel the slip a lot better. The heave and heave is more of a, you know, it's, it's more of just a uh, effect for the fun of it. Basically. You know what I mean? It doesn't give you any particular feedback. That's, that's a, uh, particularly useful you know the whereas the yaw as as you lose grip in a corner you, if you get that yaw feel you'll you'll feel it coming let's move on to results and talk nascar iRacing series we got to finish up Talladega. I want to point out, I won Wednesday, I won Talladega. And then Friday open, P2. Uh, gradually made my way forward, pretty much stayed in the top two packs. Had a great green flag pit stops both times. The second one, I came out side by side with the leader, uh, who the guy who won. He, he was on the outside, so when we got to turn one, I had to give. I mean, and, and that's the thing. I mean, getting off pit road, you want to be on the outside if you're side by side with somebody because when you get down to turn one, that's single line, and, and, you, and the guy on the inside, you know, isn't going to make it. So uh, that ended up being the winning move. Uh, I ended up losing the race based on that. I mean, he had that track position. And uh, I couldn't overcome it. I, I couldn't. Uh, the way the racing was this week uh, was horrible. So, but uh, man, I was in position to win another one. And man, does that feel good, you know, to be in position for two in a row. Greg, you got P31. I was trying to remember what I did Friday night and I can't. So I'm not going to talk much about it because I can't remember what happened. I think I was wrecked out at some point there. I just can't remember why. All right, David, you also got wrecked. Yeah, a certain driver decided to uh, pass me under the yellow line and then come back and just door me out of line. And apparently that's not an unsafe entry. So the next time, you know, I have no choice but to stay on the yellow line and, and really make sure that they, they don't come back up. 
Okay, so it is what it is. Yeah, you got dumped pretty much, right? And uh, all right, Sunday open, you ran, you got P12. Uh, yeah, worked out. It wasn't going to work out. The way something happened with the pit strategy, and I, I don't remember exactly, but I was out of sequence for everybody, and I had to. I ended up pitting by myself completely, but it was short enough pit that I got out in front of the leaders and the guy that was leading and, and actually eventually won the race. He, he trusted that I had speed and instead of trying to pass me high, he went ahead and picked me up. So for about, about until they ran out of fuel, I led the pack driving on the tail of the lead lap. Then um, part of that pack goes ahead and stops and we were just about to, to, to put another car lap down and as soon as that pack stops, I start to lose a little momentum and a few guys come and kind of pass me under the yellow line, but I go ahead and let them go because I'm not fighting them, but I've still got more momentum than this guy. I, I pull in under behind them before he does and he decides too late that he's gonna pull down in front of me too. He hits my right front wheel and says it's my fault. But I still managed to come home P12 because it hurt him worse than it hurt me. It just made it impossible to get back on the lead lap. Okay, and then Sunday fixed, Brian, P15. Yeah, I'll say that this was a typical Talladega race, which means I don't remember a whole lot because it was kind of boring. Um, I do remember I had a terrible pit stop, which uh, which which made me lose the draft, but got, got caught back up after a uh, caution. But um, I, don't, I just think uh, there was a late, late wreck. I got banged around a little bit and just kind of limped at home at P15. All right, and then I ran and I got P4. I was actually P2 coming out of four to the checker, but had no help as I pulled out to try to do something to win the race. Um, Tom was Tom was in my split as well. He got wrecked out. He got turned from behind running fourth. You know, he had a good qualifying and I didn't. And so I had to come up through the pack and and he was already up there and man i was thinking man if i was up i had qualified with tom i, I would have been up there and and i'd gotten wrecked perhaps um but i missed it when he got wrecked out and was able to eventually get up there and and for the third time in three races at talladega i was fighting for the win man i, I can't tell you how good that feels the confidence uh even though the racing was crappy i'm still able to get up front somehow and i love it uh, Tyler, he got a P7, and uh, I actually jumped in on the end of his race and helped spot him a uh, for the last few laps and uh, the last restart. And uh, yeah, he's coming along. He, he had a good run. Nice, nice run for Tyler. Okay, moving on to Roval. David wrecked lap one. Yeah, I, you know, I practiced a good legitimate amount for this amount for this and never had the, a trouble in this spot. The, the the hardest place for me to run was usually coming over the hill after turn one because the car would get so light. But this place was just, a, you know, going up onto the banking was usually just a pretty comfortable space where you could put the power down. And I put the power down on lap one and the car went around right into the inside wall, ruined the car. Um, I, it must have been that I was actually going so easy on the infield, I, st I didn't quite have enough tire heat, even at, at that point, for the first lap. Greg, you had a good run going, but... <clears throat> P-emergency, as I put it. Um, I had uh, I had to leave uh, in the middle of the race. I started dead last, 28th. I had gotten up to 12th, uh, about eight or nine laps in, and uh, I had to 
I had something going on outside of the sim that I had to go tend to. So I basically went down pit road, turned off the computer and left. Not the way I wanted it to happen, but uh, you know, say love you. All right, Tony Rochette, P5. I am the 2021 Tafosi NIS Toad King. Bow down out of the seven weeks of road fun. I have top 10 everyone with five of the seven top five. All right. And well, we'll give a little clarification. It is supposed to be Toad King, not Road King. That was not a typo, except it was a typo in chat and it turned into Toad King. So he is officially Toad King, not Road King. Right. Yeah, that's the joke. Inside joke. Hosted uh, leagues, let's talk that. Fast Track Sim Racing League, David, P16. Load the damn race set. That's all. <laughs> Someone hit you in the back of the head with a stick, right? When you're gridding, maybe? or Didn't you say load the set? I honestly think I remember you saying race set. No, but I said I specifically remember loading the set because I did. My, I went up there and grabbed a set. I just clicked on the wrong one. That is my best guess. Okay. You're not sure which set you've been? It was one of the Q sets because it was max tape. Oh, so it was a qualifying. I got you. So I, I got put a lap down and then a second lap down. And uh, the rest of the details we'll, we'll just uh, leave out. But as far as not being able to get stay back one lap up, but... Uh, you know, it ultimately come down to just loading the wrong stupid set. So the rest of us, we had a plan and there was a bunch of us in the same race on the same team here. So our plan was to come down together, you know, for our pit stop. And we did it before pretty much everybody else did. And um, getting onto pit road, uh, we all kind of blew it. Most of us did. So I, I, I was going to make it, but man, I was getting in hot. I had them locked up. I had literally locked up. And then our teammate, Steven Allen, same thing right behind me. He actually hit me from behind because he was way too hot. Uh, Tony, uh, he didn't screw up. Uh, who else uh, messed up? Greg, you hit, uh, you were a speed limit problem, right? Yeah, I uh, to Tony rachetted it down the pit road. Um, I capped it off. I messed my pit box. <laughs> yeah, Adam, Adam. <laughs> you get about all... wrong there. We could possible get on pit road. Yeah, and I, I the plan was is because they were trying to get me out front with a set of tape with tape on it, and I blew pit road. I don't know how much I blew it by because I was trying to. I was looking in behind you and Steven wrecking and trying to not get run over from it and. Yeah, you know, Team Tafosi did a great job there uh, getting on and off pit road as a team. Well, we got on pit road as a team, but we Tifosi, didn't get off pit road get, as a team. We pulled yeah. off the track good, and then once we hit the brakes, things went right. So, Adam, you and Greg were speeding, and then I was damaged. Steven was even more damaged. And then, yeah, David had his wrong set problem, but... I think Bobby was pretty much clean coming down pit road because then Bobby was okay, right? Eventually I got going, I think. And once I got back into the pack, that was the other thing that happened is my sound died on my, on my headset. I, the battery finally died. You know, they last like 12 hours and I just didn't realize it was low when I got into the race. And so I was running a restrictor plate race with no spotter <laughs> and no sound. 
<laughs> and making moves as a lap car trying to get my lap back. And Bobby was pushing me every time. And and he, I'm sure he was trying to say things to me. I don't know if you if you guys realized that my headset had gone out for till a little bit later in. But man, it was a tough trying to race a restrictor plate race without sound. Yeah. And so after that pit stop, I I was able to continue on with minimal damage. Um, and I was in the second pack for the longest time. But as as the pit cycle as the cycles uh, as we got towards the end, um, there was a pack up front of about you know six seven cars, and we were way back after our stops. And I, I ended up next with uh, mixed up with Alan Pajari, um, former teammate, and I ended up hooking up with Alan and actually pushing him from way back. Uh, we were several seconds back, and uh, we we pushed up to the front pack. And we had momentum come when we got to that pack. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to blow right by. I mean, because we caught them from so far back. And boy, we got there and all that dirty air and everything. We couldn't do nothing with them. I mean, nothing. And so I ended up uh, P4, uh, another great finish at Talladega. I mean, I, nothing worse than P4 the entire, any time I started Talladega. So I, I can't. Uh, be ha you know unhappy about that. It was a great run. I missed my pit box again at the end of the race, and at that point, I was I just I had my quote motor blue. Yeah, and Stephen, I don't know where he finished. Uh, Tony got a P14. He said he was taken out on the green white checker. He was an eighth. Let's move on. Let's talk hosted. I ran Chris McGuire uh, puts up some rooms every uh all the time i think it was saturday night uh i ran gen 5 at talladega oh my god that is so much fun guys you got to do that that's unrestricted car and there's so much horsepower it's it is so fun uh, you have to lift and you're going 245 getting into the corner and i'm pretty good at it too i think i had a top five in that race and then right after that, we ran street stocks at Oran Road. I think it's it's a road course called Oran, Oran, and uh, I did pretty good at that too. I came. I actually started in the field uh, in EOL and uh, raced my way up to fourth, I think, and uh, had a great time. Okay, OBRL Brian, Arca Series USA P8. Yeah, so uh, ARCA Series at USA Speedway. Um, I started in probably about 14th place, 13 or 14th. Um, it didn't have a bad run. Uh, you know, got past a couple of cars. Um, it was a 100-lap race, and we had an early caution at, like, like lap 8, I think it was. So um, it turned out that, like, that was just about the whole length of a fuel run, was just about 100 to from, uh, you know, from there to the, to the end of the race. So uh, I was in uh, 10th place in a group of cars that were like uh, head nose to tail for like a group of about five cars. I was in the back of that run and um, it was just kind of hard to pass. Um, USA is almost like a, a oversized Martinsville, you know, with flat corners, long straightaway. And, uh, you know, if you don't if you don't get a good uh, exit, it's it's hard to get in position to pass a car that's in front of you that might be a little bit slower. And I was never able to really get ahead of the car that was in front of me. And I think the slowest of the group was the car that was in P6, but, you know, he was just backing up people behind him. People were stacked up, couldn't get by him without, you know, you, you can move them, but you can't move them in that league. But um, 
so we kept it clean, uh, finished P8, and with like two laps to go, uh, cars started running out of fuel. Uh, two cars in front of me ran out of fuel, so I went from P10 to P8 on the last lap because uh, cars were running out of fuel. And I think it was had to do with uh, they were they were downshifting on corner exit, especially once your tires got a little older. Uh, they were downshifting the third. And uh, I think they used up a little bit more fuel doing that. And I wound up staying in fourth, and I still had like a, a gallon of fuel at the end of the race. So uh, not, not too bad. I've been having a lot of bad luck in this series uh, this year, but uh, this season anyway. And uh, the P8, I'll take that no incident points i get my bonus points for that maybe it's that track is hard to pass i remember a race david ran there in the radicals and you couldn't pass anybody yeah i mean you literally have to i mean unless you're way faster than the car in front of you you have to move them out of the way uh, that's the only way i could have thought of getting behind somebody or or really dive bombing bad all right obrl aftermath truck series it was Dwayne MacArthur in the REG Customs 97. He wins the iRacers Lounge, the Aftermath podcast, NASCAR Truck Series at the Roval. Eddie Jones, second. Steve Thompson, third. Uh, Brian, P12 for you. Yeah, um, I actually felt really good racing this course. Um, you know, road courses aren't typically my uh, my thing, but um, the thing that sucked was uh, we had a lot of cars for that race turnout, 35 cars. So it was really a big field. And um, because uh, this was the second race that I've been in, and my last race was Talladega, and I got like eight eight incident points at that race because it's Talladega. And uh, that made me... Uh, made me have to serve a um, IPL incident per lap penalty because my incident per laps was high because I only ran the one race at Talladega had a bunch of incident points. So my penalty was I had to start on pit road. I couldn't it. There was a couple other cars that couldn't grid, but so, you know, for a 35 car field, I couldn't grid and, uh, you know, started, you know, basically picked up at the end of the field and I wound up finishing 12th. I felt really good about that. No incident points, no, no real major issues so uh it was a lot of fun the truck the truck at uh the road was actually really really fun to drive all right nice run Gridfinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Gridfinder. Finder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. Adam, Jocelyn, thanks for joining in late. Uh, tell us what you're thinking. Uh, well, I think next year, not I ask, I'm just going to spot for whoever wants me to spot on the team and run fast track. That's what I'm going to do. And been running, working with Landon Hoffman on some stuff for the short track. So, got my last race of the year in the go kart tomorrow night, the dirt track, fourth in points. Uh, Hoping to get another trophy tomorrow. Go get it. All right. Brian McCubbin, final thoughts. Well, it's uh, hard not to acknowledge this, uh, this milestone that this podcast has, uh, has reached, you know, uh, congratulations to everybody, especially you, Mike, you know, you've been around for the longest. You put so much work into making this thing go, um, you know, it's obviously a team effort. We all do our parts. We all uh, have a part to play to, 
that make it as as good as a cast show as we can and just glad that that people enjoy it and uh really happy that uh that i was able to be a part of it in my own right so thank you guys for uh, all your hard work and uh let's do 300 more that's right uh there's a reason that we started uh episode one with calling it episode zero 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 one because i knew we were going to get to four digits at some point so we're a th- almost a third of the way there when we get to a thousand, though, it may be our, you know, grandchildren doing the episodes or something. Well, y'all's grandchildren, excuse me. I hope the show goes on without me. You know, I hope it continues on, you know, in, in forever. So there, there's always going to be iRacing to talk about. And so somebody's got to talk about it. Why not us? You know, we only have grandchildren because that we know about if we're going to have grandchildren. You just don't know you have grandchildren out there. I hope I don't. Yeah, 300 episodes, that's something, uh, like I said, I tried to figure out earlier how many podcasts that have done it. I can't figure it out, but uh, I'm pretty proud of it. You know, we have a nice uh, niche uh, listener group that doesn't miss episodes. You know, I can see the stats on that, and we do appreciate you people listening. We really do. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. Well, Brian, pretty well covered the, the 300 thing. It's definitely exciting. It's it's fun being on here and and getting to voice uh, opinions, right? Um, if anybody knows if I can drill into this Sparko seat or not, uh, we will definitely appreciate the feedback. All right. You'll like the, the seat slider if you can make it work. Well, the other option I'm going to try is to actually just throw the see my my brackets are actually upside down so the flat part is mounted directly to my seat and then the side part is mounted to the rig and uh, i considered trying to put the sliders there but that would mean it's kind of sliding on an angle instead of sliding straight across y'all gotta send me the link to that seat because this aluminum seat i think it's gonna go eventually all right get one with the side mounts not the not the bottom mounts that's that's something i didn't know two years ago okay greg hectus final thoughts um, I just want to thank uh, everybody on the team for participating on this podcast. Even and today, we've had a really good chat or people ch- in the chat uh, talking about uh, the podcast here. They were uh, wishing us uh, or thanks for the doing the podcast and everything. So I'm just excited that for what's to come with our uh, podcast over the next hundred. I know this hundred we've expanded to streaming all the time so that's one of the big things we've done in the last 100 episodes uh we've had a a major sponsor for the last probably what year 50 episodes so it's been about 50 episodes so it's pretty uh it's pretty exciting where we've uh started and now where we are we're at now and what could come come from it uh i look forward to it and uh just uh I'm, I'm, I'm glad we all uh, can get along and, and, and do this every week uh, for something that we are really passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. All right. My final thoughts is, uh, man, I'm building a dream rig and I'm in the middle of it and I'm happy. It's fun. It's a lot of work. It, it takes so much time. I mean, just last night after work, you know, I was focused on the seat and the slider and the belts and I spent, you know, I stayed up till one thirty in the morning, and I haven't stayed up that late in years. And uh, and this is what's exciting me. I mean, to to build sim equipment, man, that's that's like top of the cake. I'm going to stay up to one thirty every day doing that. 
and I probably will tonight too, uh, considering tomorrow's my day off, but um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. You know, I'm taking my time, I'm doing it right, um, I'm using the right parts, I'm, I'm using the best stuff money can buy, and and uh, I'm liking it. So uh, more to come. I hope I'll be close to done by this time next week. Uh, that's We'll see. But, uh, you know, it's kind of weird doing the, this podcast in this Obutto revolution for the last time. You know, as I haul this thing out of here in the next couple of days and look at all the the remnants underneath it from the last six or seven years, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's kind of like building a race car. Just the process is kind of fun. Oh, and just the details, you know, the all the little things. And, oh, I broke a part and I don't have an extra and I got to order one, you know, and uh, just little stuff like that. And uh, or putting on the seat slider upside down and not realizing it till everything else is already installed. Now I have to take the whole thing apart again, you know? And, and so I've done that with a couple pieces on this rig where I've, I've built it and had to rebuild it and multiple times, but, uh, Hey, that's part of the, the, the challenges, the journey to do it. So, um, having fun with it. And, uh, you guys check out my, uh, iracerslounge.com. You'll see detailed pictures and text. I'm detailing everything out way more than what we're talking about on the show. So if you're interested, uh, check it out. With that, we'll see you on the road later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.